0: It's June 9th, and welcome to the Vegetable Beat, a live weekly discussion during the growing season for vegetable producers in the Great Lakes and Midwest region. I'm your host, Ben Phillips. Mike Reinke is our Zoom engineer, pulling the levers in the background. And we're Mike and I are both from MSU. I'm here with Annie Claude, a fruit specialist from the University of Minnesota, and Courtney Weber, a small fruit breeder from Cornell University. Why do I have fruit people? The show today because the topic is strawberries for vegetable growers. And I mean, tomatoes are fruit too, all right? We got some fruit in the vegetable world, but this is all about strawberries today. And we hope that um you learn some more about fitting them into a vegetable rotation rotation together. And uh I welcome you both and thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yes, it's great to be here. Great. So for the attendees, we want to get your questions answered if you have them. So if you're listening via zoom with us live right now, you can put that stuff in the chat. Um, or if you're on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash veggie beat, you can put that stuff in the, uh, the comment section there too. And then Mike will bring it on over to our zoom room and we can address it. Um, okay, well, let's get into it. So essentially, the premise of this show is that vegetable growers will sometimes grow strawberries to kick off the season, along with some other Um, Also perennial crops uh, that are vegetables like asparagus or uh, rhubarb. And then they transition into kind of like the main season annual vegetable thing um, where where they plant them in the spring and they harvest them still within that same season uh, after the June berry rush. So the overall deal is most of these growers want their strawberries to fit into just that window. And I know there are many other berries Uh, that they could choose from and different types that can go outside of that, that window for picking later or picking continually. But most vegetable growers kind of fall into this June picking June bearing window. So that's kind of the parameters of the show here. So Annie, can you um, tell me about how someone might produce a June bearing strawberry perennially? How is that typically done?
1: Yeah, so I'll touch on how that's usually more traditionally done first, which is in what's called a June bearing matted row system. So I'll define a couple of terms there. When I say June bearing, that means it's a type of strawberry that produces fruit in the June to early July timeframe, depending on what region you are in. And so in Minnesota, where I am, we're harvesting strawberries probably starting next week, And that'll go into the beginning of July. So July 4th weekend is a a big strawberry weekend for people with U-picks. Okay. And then, so the Mm -hmm. second term that I said that I needed to find is matted row. And this is one of the systems that we can grow June bearing strawberries on. And it's by far the most traditional system. Um, This is where we're growing strawberries in rows on straw. So you plant them one year in, say, May. And then um, they're just grown on bare soil until the late fall when they are covered with straw for the winter and that straw stays on the plants until in our region about the beginning of April when that straw is removed so the plants can exit dormancy and start growing again. And it's a perennial system, but the plants don't produce forever. Typically, those plants will produce for anywhere between three to five years before they're ripped out and the field is rotated to something else. So every winter during that time, you do have to put straw over those strawberries. Um, and because they're perennials, they're, they're producing for a few years, they put out these daughter plants, and that's something that, that I'll get into.
0: And the actual plant material that you're putting in the ground, that's um, it's like a clone, right? It's like a root, it's a dormant root of some sort or a living plant?
1: Yep, it's a living plant that you're putting in the ground. It's usually, um, it's called a bare root Plants usually. Um, You can also plant them from plugs, but usually we're doing bare root. Um, And so, yes, you're not planting them from seed or anything.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, what's a runner and how do they play into the perennial system with matted rows?
1: Yep. So, strawberry plants will put out runners, which are um, basically uh, how do I describe them? They're like stems that will come out from the crown or the base of the plant and they will go basically crawl over the soil. They will put down roots in the soil a few inches away from the main plant. And that will put up uh, what we call a daughter plant. And so that is a way that June bearing strawberries spread out and fill that row. And so basically, you have a row that's about 12 to 18 inches wide, filled with those original mother plants, runners and the daughter plants.
0: Hmm. Okay. All right. So then over time, those daughter plants kind of fill in the area and you've got a lot of basically multi-generational plants producing in different levels. Okay.
1: Yes, exactly. All in the same row.
0: Yeah. Well, cool. Um, so I've seen that a lot in Michigan and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. from what I've read and what I've been talking to growers about, yeah, it is, it does seems like the traditional way to do things. Mm-hmm. And um, when it comes to Vegetable production. There was a you know big sea change, uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, with plasticulture really taking hold as a way to prevent in-row weeds and also for um, for Im- improving soil uh, temperatures early in the season to try to get some warmer season crops out earlier, and that's really taken off. And I'll, I would say most vegetable growers and Im- employ that in some way on some crops and maybe not all of them. and there's a big interest in trying to bring that into strawberries, using the same tech that they would do with their tomatoes or their watermelons, but with strawberries. so using plastic culture with the tape underneath and then the over uh, the mulching bed on top. and I wondered um, how might strawberries fit into this? and I wondered if maybe you could lead this one off, Courtney. Do you, do you want to take a stab at that?
2: So the reality is the vast majority of strawberries in the world are grown on plastic. Um, so when you go to California, Florida, North Carolina, it's all an annual production system on plastic. Um, the more Northern production areas haven't really adopted it as much because of some challenges to using the system. Um, and so we've, we've relied on that perennial system to kind of spread out the costs of a planting because um, there's a lot of upfront costs because you have to wait mm. a year before you get any fruit. And so Got all you. that first year's cost it builds up. And so if you can spread those costs in over a four or five year period of harvests, uh, it makes it a little more easy to handle that. Um, the plastic culture system relies in most places on um, High density plantings in plastic, just like you would would uh, vegetable crops. Mm-hmm. There's some issues we have in the north in getting the proper plant material at the proper time of year, and mm-hmm. that can be a challenge. Um, certainly, there's more cost to establishing the system. There's you know the, the cost of the plastic, and that, of course they have to be drip irrigated and and fertilized, and so those there are those costs, and then you plant more plants per area um uh in many cases double or triple the number of plants and so there's an added cost there and then of course you have to get all that you still are for short day plants or june bears it's still waiting until the next year for a harvest in in most cases mm-hmm. um but there are certainly advantages uh, you know I, i've been at cornell more than 20 years and when i got here they complained the growers were complaining about weed control and strawberries Um, in matted row and they are still complaining about weed control in matted row (laughs) strawberries it is a challenging thing to deal with because it's a growing plant year-round and there's never a time when it's when it's easy to use herbicides Um, you know you can use them early in the spring before the plants are really growing but you're missing the the, you know the worst weed time uh, that mid-summer period when when the, the plants maybe aren't growing as fast but the weeds are Uh, It can be challenging, especially in the beginning, in that first year, um, you know, when there's no straw from the year before suppressing weeds between the rows and between the plants. And so there's certainly advantages to plastic. Um, So we've been doing trials here and we're moving, that technology has been moving north in in strawberries um, and it's pretty commonplace through the mid-Atlantic states, uh, certainly through the southern Midwest. Um, you get in Southern Ohio, Southern Illinois, it's very common to see plastic culture, strawberry, Pennsylvania, Maryland, um, the far North we we've started to move into it slowly, um, as labor is more of an issue and plastic culture, right. For the vegetable growers, a lot of vegetable growers in New York, a lot of diversified farmers and it, and they, they want to use the same, uh, equipment that they have, um, and Mm -hmm. the same labor force. Um, yeah. So there is a move towards it.
0: So uh, early on in, in your answer there, you had mentioned how the planting timing is a little different and, there's, and there can be challenges in getting planting material. Tell me what that's all about. What is the proper timing and how is it a different planting material than what, what they might already get as a bare root?
2: So a lot of vegetable growers um, will use some kind of transplanter to put their plants in the ground. Um, that doesn't work very well with a bare root strawberry crown okay. because you've got just a, 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 you know, a crown with no leaves on it and some roots hanging off the bottom
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it won't fit into a transplanting machine. So it's not like you can slide it through and it'll put it in the ground. And and to do it sitting there on a water wheel planter, for instance, you're trying to stick this root into a hole in the ground and then you have to, you know, mash the dirt around the roots or something. You can't just leave it sitting there in the in the root so it doesn't work well with transplanters i see Um, and so then you're stuck doing it by hand um you know and doing a quarter of an acre by hand that's no big deal right you got um, you know three or four thousand plants you want to put in five acres and you you tell someone you want them to put in 80,000 plants um by hand they look at you like you're crazy right and that (laughs) literally is a, a a small metal tool that you would kind of stick the root to the bottom and shove it through the plastic, right? One by uh-huh. one. Okay. Um, and of course, beds are low. So you're doing this bent over. And, um, and, double, and double or triple the population. As right. What... So you're looking at 15 to 20,000 plants per acre. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a big endeavor to plant something like that by hand. And so in the spring, it's really tough to use that bare root plant in large plantings. Uh, Courtney,
1: can I jump in with yeah, a, kind of a question for you? Uh-huh. With- Uh, so we're talking about June bearing, uh, strawberries here, but what about, um, I hope I'm not, I'm not trying to derail the conversation at all, but (laughs) day neutral strawberries, which are, we grow more annually. Right. Um, don't we also plant those in plastic as bare root plants? Yeah.
2: Same, same deal for us. So, and those really need to be planted in the spring. And so how do you, how do you plant them other than by hand? And so you have to, you know, the problem we have is often the labor in the spring is, is light. We don't have enough labor. Uh, Sometimes the migrants, if you use migrants, they're not here yet, or you haven't ramped up because you're not, uh, you're not in harvest with vegetables. So you've got your planting crew maybe, but they're already yeah. you know, fully, fully engaged in your vegetable operation. So it is an issue on how do you plant. Um, and so that spring planting is generally the only plant available is a bare root plant. Um, whereas most vegetables, you know, they're they're using a plug and they can and they can use a a, a, a transplanting machine of various types, and that really makes it a lot easier. Um, so for the sh- for the day neutrals, there are no options currently um, other than a bare root plant in the spring. If you plant the day neutrals later, when you might be able to get plugs, then you won't get fruit in the same year, and so there's your trade off. And
0: I just want to clarify for listeners that day neutral is a certain type of strawberry that doesn't doesn't concentrate its fruit set within that uh, late May to early July time period that Annie had talked about. It's sort of a different system that is is, uh, tougher for some vegetable growers to do. But
2: our typical day, our typical short day plants, what? or June bear types, they're actually what we call short day plants. So what they are responding to in the spring is the short days of spring to produce flowers. And, and by the time those flowers turn into fruit, it's now the long days of summer. And they oh, stop yeah. producing fruit and flowers at that point, and they're ripening their fruit. Mm-hmm. What we call day neutral varieties don't respond to day length. And so as long as the plant is in a physical state where it's big enough and healthy enough to produce flowers and the temperatures are conducive, it will produce flowers. And so we generally see flowering starting in, starting if you plant in the spring, you start getting flowers in June, you start seeing fruit in July, and you'll get continual flushes of flowers, but no one big concentrated burst of flowers like you do in a short day or June bearing type. And then you'll get fruit, in July, August, September, October, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, then, and, to, and they'll keep flowering and fruiting until your weather just
0: is no longer uh, suitable. So in the vegetable world, it's kind of analogous to an indeterminate tomato or a pole bean Very versus so. a Very determinate so. tomato or a bush uh-huh. bean.
1: Yeah. So, so with- for a vegetable grower who wants to aim for that May or June timeframe, you're not really going to be looking for a, a day neutral right. strawberry.
2: Right. So your short day or June bearing types, you're looking at June, July. The day neutrals in the northern climates, you're looking at July to October, November. Yeah. Um, oh, that's and, scary. That's a scary thought. Right. <laughs> and the long, the later <laughs> you plant, the later that harvest. Yeah. So, you know, the plant has to have some amount of time to grow before it can start producing a crop. So if you don't get it in till the first of June, you're not going to see fruit until August. Um, okay. So let's plant in the ground and, you know, in early May, you start seeing fruit earlier just because the plant has to have time to grow.
0: So let's just take pity on the vegetable growers who did that on accident or thought it would be a good idea. <laughs> and, and let's think about, um, with, if they want to do a short day strawberry and they want to put it on plastic, it sounds like there are more options than bare root. Now you can get these as plugs and then you can use the same machines that you would use your vegetables in or use for your vegetables. Um, but who makes those like, uh, do you know where you can get them? I found a list, but I'm not sure if uh, there are if not you got any general advice
2: options for varieties that we typically grow mm-hmm. um, because there has not been much of an industry in the north. Nurseries haven't been really interested in producing a plant for Michigan to or Minnesota gotcha. to you know Maine. That region sure do. doesn't have a really good supplier uh, and the industry has focused more on the mid south. Uh, North Carolina, Virginia, even up into Pennsylvania, where they they grow a lot of Chandler. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll produce plugs in late summer, where they'll take those daughter plants and they'll harvest them before they've rooted and, and make plugs out of them. Um, generally, it's a two inch plug, mm-hmm. so a 50 well tray. And um, unfor- unfortunately, most of them can't provide plugs commercially or don't. They could, but they, there's no mar- there hasn't been a market. So they don't generally produce plugs before the end of August, 1st of September. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we found that's just too late for us to plant. Okay. So if we, do, if we plant in the first week of September, there's just not enough plant to get through winter. I mean, it gets through winter, but the next spring, it's just pretty small plant still. And you know, small plant means small yields.
0: Yeah, I understand that they need some time to to branch crowns and develop um, some flower buds in the fall. And so they need to be in early August at the latest is is sort of what that's, I've been picking up on.
2: Yes, it's mid-July to early August is
0: the, is the best timing. But so then you're kind of stuck. Mm-hmm. And so, that would be for the northern areas. And I, I know of some plastic culture, strawberry growers in southern Ohio, southern Indiana in September is, f- seems to be fine it's, for it's that. Fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's you know, kind of the when you say
1: when you say northern areas, you're talking about New York and well, potentially this could be carried over into Michigan. But I'm curious, what is the time or what is the number of growing degree days that you need be- between planting those and when you get your first frost? Because here That's in Minnesota, you know, our yeah. season can be a lot shorter. It's a good
2: question. And mm-hmm. I don't have an answer for you because okay. we, there ha- we just don't have enough experience to know, you know, how how much time. I mean, I have experience from from my location, right? We're a little bit farther south than you and a little bit milder because of Lake Ontario. Mm -hmm. Um, So our falls generally last longer. You know, we don't get killing frosts usually until well into November. Um, And so while the days get short, the plants are still kind of photosynthesizing in a little bit and slowly going into dormancy. Um, And I know Minnesota can really get some early really cold weather and that'll kind of shock them into dormancy pretty fast. Mm -hmm. Um, What we have found that tunnels, small, low tunnels make a difference. Um, You can extend into the fall and extend your growing season. And that also gives you a little more leeway in planting date. Um, You can push it a little bit later because you can get another couple of weeks on the end where you might be able to protect for a couple of those early frost nights and, and the plants then where you'll still get a few more days um, or a couple of weeks yet of good weather. I mean, we've had low tunnels protect where we've had snow, but not freezing temperatures or not killing temperatures, right? So it's 31 degrees, which doesn't really hurt strawberries, but it's enough to snow and the low tunnels will protect them through that with the, you know, the soil heat, um, and the heat from whatever irrigation water we've put on. So So is that
0: low tunnel basically provide, and that is the only winter protection it gets or is there another layer that so, goes on that?
2: Well, that, that would just be in the late fall, for instance, before they go dormant. I see. Um, so if you're doing day neutrals, you'd still be fruiting. Um, if you had June bears in, you know, it's just to protect them a little bit longer for the growing season. And then before winter you would take that structure take off, off. Okay. Um, and cover them with straw is the mm-hmm. most common approach is uh, wheat straw. Um, so you know what, what we what we experimented with some, and we're I'm still analyzing some of this data is, is what we call we're calling crown plugs. It's a kind of a huh. we we kind of had a brainstorm trying to figure out what to call them. Um, <laughs> it's to take these bare root plants in the spring and leave them in the cooler until about six weeks before we want to plant, and then use those to make plugs directly. Huh. Um, so we trim the roots off of the bare root plants to about two inches for those plug trays and make our own plugs. Mm. Um, Oh, and and it will, it will stimulate the plant to produce a new set of roots. Um, So you don't have a lot of old roots, uh, just that two inches to start with and, and and you push them into plug trays, bring them out of dormancy about six weeks before you want to plant and make your own plugs. Um, You know, it's a little bit of work, Certainly, but there are things you can do as well that there's an advantage. So you typically when you plant a bare root plant, it was harvested after while it was dormant and it already had flower buds developed and those have to generally be removed, which is a a big labor, you know, cost uh, when you're planting a new planting, because Mm -hmm. generally you want to remove those flowers so that the crown doesn't have the competition while it's being established. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to go through basically with a, you know, a clippers and clip off all the flowering trusses bent over again. Uh, and, and it's not, you know, it's not an enjoyable task, uh, not to mention you feel terrible cutting off all the flowers because it seems like, well, what am I doing? I'm removing all the potential fruit, right? Yeah. But you're looking to I gotta, the future. <laughs> I gotta so say, when I... you know, people don't want to do it. Right. But it, it yeah. really is best for the plant.
0: When I hear about uh-huh. flower trimming on strawberries, it makes me think of like pruning the suckers off of indeterminate tomatoes. Like you should do yeah. it. Right. But right. like you start and you're like, oh, this seems- is a long, <laughs> right. this is big. Right. <laughs> I might
2: just stop. <laughs> so, it, you know, if you make plugs out of these little crowns and you have them in trays under a mist, in a mist bed or, so, or not, you can do this outside on a, on a, you know, kind of a pot lot area. Uh-huh. Um you can cut the flowers off then when they're still in their trays. Oh, and, and it's at waist much, height and it's comfortable. That's a much easier process. Uh-huh. Um, they're all close together. The flowers will come out, you know, fairly uniformly. And, uh, so it's a, it, it does reduce the labor that that would entail. Um, you also get you even a probably,
0: yeah. Oh yeah. You can even mechanize that. I'm not sure you, you actually want to remove the flowers and not the leaves, right? So you Just wouldn't want to actually like mow it. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Um, but it goes pretty fast because it's all very concentrated right there. Mm-hmm. And then when you do plant them, if you're planting on plastic, normally when you plant on plastic, you have to remove all those runners that that plant wants to make because you don't want a bed formation and you don't want them rooting outside in the row middles and all over the place, right? And that's mm-hmm. another task then that has to be done in late summer. Also bent over, going plant to plant, cutting all those runners off. Well, if you delay that plug until mid-July, say... Um, now you're well into the runner production season and you're just planting. So there are no runners yet. Uh-huh. Um, or if there are if had any runners have started in the mist area, right? Those could be removed as well before you plant. And so there's some labor savings there. And now you have a plug that you can use a transplanter, you know, a water wheel, probably. There may be some transplanters that would directly transplant. We don't, I haven't, you know, I don't have experience with all the different kinds of transplanters, but certainly a much easier planting process to do it with a plug. Um, so there's a great, clever idea, of course. At, um, so there's some upfront labor in making the plug. Um, but we've seen very good results. Actually, we, our our best yield seems to be the July for us would be the mid-July planting. Um, the mid-August is still better than the spring plantings with bare root. And I I think personally I think it's a, a plant stress. Um, Uh, response. So imagine taking a plant out of a cooler that's completely dormant. It has these long roots on it. And then you stick it in the ground in cold ground in the spring. And that is the perfect environment for many of the pathogens that get on strawberries. And so now you've pushed a plant that's stressed into a environment that is good for its stressors and not so good for it. And it comes out of dormancy in a period of time when infection takes place for Phytophthora, Pythium, those types of diseases. Well, by making that plug into fresh soilless media, you've avoided that in the spring. And then you plant into a warmer soil where those pathogens are not particularly active. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you've avoided a whole season's worth of, of disease stress on the root system. And you've encouraged new root growth rather than relying on the on the roots from the year before. So I think there's some real advantages. I, there's a lot of work that probably has should be done to follow this up. Um, I'm not sure who's going to do it because <laughs> there's that is not my primary uh, purpose. Um, my, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be the breeder varieties, but um, we still got to figure out how to grow them, right? And so we do some of this on, on research as well, just to try to figure out the best way. To help farmers have options, and that's really what it's about—different options uh, on what you might be able to do.
1: So, just a clarification point: um, you talked about the runners, and so after you plant those plugs in mid-July, um, I, I recognize that some of that time period that you would have to remove runners has has passed, but they would still produce some runners after they you will. Plant, right?
2: They will. They will produce some. Um, uh, you know, and it depends on the variety on how late they will start producing them and how big those crowns get before you put them in the ground. Um, we figure it takes about six weeks from when you start the plugs to when they're ready to go in. Um, so say you want a mid July, you're starting them early part of June. If you want late July, you know, you can delay that a couple of weeks. Again, tunnels gives you a little bit more flexibility on that planting date. Um, and it will produce some runners, um, I, I don't have any hard numbers, but I would, I, just from our observations, I would suspect at least a 50% reduction in the number of runners that are produced. Um, and some of the later runners can really be ignored, um, because they don't really have time to develop and they'll be, they'll be frozen over the winter and just die okay. off. Um, and in the spring, if you're doing some cleanup, just to remove some, you know, dead leaves and stuff, those can just be, you know, once through through the field to clean things up is is a good idea anyway. Uh, so this
0: new so this new um, idea you have this crown plug idea um, seems to solve a few different problems all in one swoop, which is really sweet. Um, the runner problem is really the question that I get most from growers who want to do this, but are um, I guess they're they're plant the, the only variable that is changed going from bare soil matted row to plastic culture is that they put plastic down. So they're still planting in May. uh, They're still getting bare root plants. And then they've got an entire first season of runner control. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is insane. So it sounds like the very first step one could take to trying to combat runners is proper plant material and timing of the planting. And beyond that, the second question I get is, how much, how much Apogee do I use? Can I use Apogee? And, and I, I, I already asked you both before we had this podcast today about what you know about Apogee. None of us know a lot about Apogee. And it's recently labeled for strawberries within the last five years. Prior to that, not at all, except maybe certain state uses. Essentially, it's a plant growth regulator that can hinder runner production in strawberries. But I did some digging last week, talked to a lot of people, from some of these plug producing uh, nurseries down South and, and out East. And they all agreed Apogee is, isn't is a silver bullet and you can bite yourself by re- stunting your plant altogether, not just the runners, but the entire plant. So
1: were you able to find out like, it. okay, so why was it labeled in strawberries? Was it labeled in strawberries for the idea of being used for runner control or something? That's else? right.
0: Yeah, it was, mo- it's, yep. It's for runner control in annual production where further South, They're planting in the fall, and then they're just trying to control runner. They never go fully dormant. So that's the main difference. Fall planting, and then they're going into December, January, February, and they start to harvest. And they never go dormant, so they're making runners the whole time, and they just want to get them controlled in that little window. Then they harvest and pull them out of the ground. And here in Michigan, it's like if they want to do – the other thing that doesn't change is they want to do them perennially, just like before, on plastic. So then it's like every year, runner control, same spot. And they want to know, can I just spray it every month and call it good? But it doesn't sound like that's actually really viable. It doesn't do exactly what they might think. They're still going to be pulling them by hand if they really want a clean, no runner situation. Yeah, I think
2: that's right. I think the challenge with something like Apogee is, is, is timing and dosage, right? And timing is a really tricky one. So runners and flowers in strawberries come from the same axles. From the oh. same maristem, mm-hmm. and they are triggered to go one way or the other in, in short day varieties and June bears based on day length. Mm-hmm. And so, when you start messing with that, you could mess with your flower production as well, and you can mess with your branch crown production. Um, so, there's some real concerns about trying it in these because we have a very strong long day signal in the north, right? Mm-hmm. And for a, a Uh, a June bearing type plant, it is receiving that signal loud and clear saying produce runners, produce runners. That's why you get so many runners, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Because that plant has, has switched over from producing flowers in those axles um, to, to runner meristems. So, you know, a strawberry crown is actually just a compressed stem. And Mm -hmm. if you dissect it, there are inner nodes, and at each internode there are buds, right? It's just like a, a tomato plant. It's just, it's just crunched down into a, into a crown. Um, and so as the plant grows, it produces more of these internodes and kind of grows away from its root system. Mm-hmm. Um, and so messing with that structure is going to be tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know David Hanley at, at, uh, in Maine has done, did some work on this some, some time ago for this very reason. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to inhibit and, and had some good, good data on that, but it's, I, nobody's really followed much up with it in our area just because it, it hasn't been widely, plastic culture hasn't been widely adopted. Um, see. You know, the problem for the, the, the difference between what we're, we're seeing in our area versus what they do in the South is that they're planting into a short day situation and they're mm-hmm. planting in the fall. And yes, the plants aren't going dormant, but the days are getting shorter. Mm-hmm. and so over time the plants they do produce some runners but they're also starting to transition into short day producing flowers got you got and you. so they don't see the numbers of runners that we see
1: oh where, we're blessed
2: really <laughs> long day situation right
0: and so we're just blessed with that I guess, right and, i mean yeah, if okay. you're,
2: that's why the nurseries like to be in the north right because oh. in the summertime they really push this flower or runners hard because there's long, long days. And so you see a lot of production coming out of Ontario, out of I Massachusetts, see. out of Northern yeah. California. It's where a lot of the runner or the, you know, the, the nurseries for strawberries are for bare root plants. I see. Okay. It that makes a really sense. strong, long day signal. Um, right. And you see more of the plug plant production coming from more Southern because they can get a plant to produce runners. And then it's nice and warm in late summer to get those plugs going and then they can send them to where they want, you know, uh, to North Carolina or Florida or wherever to mm-hmm. get them in the ground. Um, so, you know, they're, they're taking advantage of the plant's natural inclinations to follow day length. Um, so Apogee, I think might suppress and you might have some luck with that. I have not used it. it. I don't think it's labeled in New York. We always, New York's terrible for labeling new stuff. Um, they want more than just what the EPA asked for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're always the last to get anything.
1: Um, I think so, we're the last to get anything.
2: Okay. Well, there you go. It's, we can fight for the bottom, right? Yeah. It's terrible. Uh, but that's I, just some of the reality. It, it'll be tricky. And unfortunately, growers may be somewhat on their own trying to figure it out. And that's that. Yeah. You
1: yeah. Know,
0: small plots, small plots. If you're going to try something, that's a good point. Um, so we're, we only uh, we only uh, have 10 or 15 minutes left, and I want to make sure I get to this last question, free-for-all question here. Uh, I want to give Annie first, first dibs, though. Um, so we've been talking about essentially switching the planting time of a June-bearing strawberry with a different type of planting material, not bare root. It's in a plug couple ways to do it. You can buy it in like that, or you can sort of like hack the system and take that bare root plant you're going to plant in May, trim off the roots, stick it in a plug tray, grow it out and make your own. Um, now, okay. So that's one major change. Should a grower r- really expect much out of trying to do this perennially on plastic or is it, or would it be better off to try to maximize one harvest, one year of harvest and try to do an annual system on plastic, much like every other vegetable, just like a rejiggered planting schedule, kind of like garlic, right? Plant garlic in the fall, harvest it in July. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's weird. You can get into it, but is this a viable window for strawberries up here to do it like that? Is Mm -hmm. an annual thing good?
1: Right. And that's not something that anybody in Minnesota has tried to Mm -hmm. my knowledge. I'm pretty sure they have not. Mm. um because it is i think it is more common to plant these as just a one season crop so you're planting them the summer before they overwinter once and then you do a really usually what's a pretty big substantial harvest the next year push the plants really hard and then take them out i'm not sure that's something that we totally clarified up front is that this is usually done just you know this is just a one year system it's it's not for for date trailing
0: for, day for, the June
1: be- for the June bearing. Oh, okay. but on um, plastic culture, but yeah. there are definitely growers who understandably want to do this as more of a perennial because that upfront cost and labor of establishing those plugs uh, that first season, when you're not getting any fruit, that's a huge investment. And so it's understandable that you would want to get more than one harvest season off of that uh, mm-hmm. before having to rotate to something else. And so I know at Penn state, they have put out a little bit of information about, um, how to do that. And they've basically said, you know, don't try to push them to their absolute limits that first year, because if you want to get something out of them for one to two more seasons, you're going to need to spread out their energy a little bit more,
0: more of a marathon than a sprint. Right. Okay.
1: But yeah, I don't have a lot more details about that just because that's not something that anybody's tried in Minnesota.
2: OK, so okay. we've had we've done some trials here to see how they come through for that second season. Mm. Um, and in general, it's unsatisfactory. Mm. So in the man and Rose system, you plant your crown and it produces daughter plants that fill in the row. And that happens in the second year. You actually mow the plants off and let them regrow and produce new daughter plants. And you do some tillage to provide a new bed for the daughter plants. And it really is the daughter plants that produce the majority of the crop. Um, so that original crown gets kind of aged and uh, branches too much, and maybe gets a little rat tail on the, you know, is what we call it when the crown kind of ex- ex- uh, elongates. Okay. So you don't get a real good production out of that mother plant. You can really get your best production from the new daughter plants. Okay. Well, that doesn't happen, right, in the, in the plastic culture. Yeah, right. yeah. You get right. the mother plant there, and it grows, and it ha- produces branch crowns, mm-hmm. right? And so the first year, you put the plant in the ground, and it produces four, five, six branch crowns, and you got a nice bushy plant.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, if you let it go through a second season, and it does that again, and you've got 15 branch crowns, you still mm-hmm. only have one root system. Mm-hmm. And what happens is yield stays somewhat, it goes down, but you have some yield, but the fruit size really drops mm-hmm. because now you have twice as many flowers on one root system. And you know, your average fruit size might drop 50%. Okay? So you've got a
1: lot of different flowers competing
2: for of- whatever
1: resources that root system can get.
2: Absolutely. And, yeah. and who wants to pick tiny little strawberries? You know, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it hasn't worked particularly well. It's not impossible. We have seen it works better if the plants were planted in midsummer versus in the spring. I think again, there's less time for them to produce as many branch crowns, so there may be not as much of that going on. But we still see a yield decline sometimes you know, 30, 40 percent from the first year, at least. Um, some varieties don't survive that second winter very well. Um, the day neutrals don't generally survive winter very well. Mostly I think, cause they're not well adapted to our winter climate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're mostly California varieties and, and, and they used to fumigated ground. Right. And we mm. put them in, in our climate with heavy soil and lots of pathogens. They don't make it through two winters. I see. Um, often they don't make it through one winter right? Mm. So those are the, you plant in the spring harvest. If you try to take them through winter, often you see winter kill um, or death, whatever is killing it, you know, 40, 50%. And that's nobody wants a field that's half half the plants. Uh-huh. Um, so it, we've had better luck with the June bears because most of them are developed for, our, you know, for a non-fumigated situation. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the varieties our growers are, are familiar with anyway. And, um, but we found the summer planted ones survived a second winter much better than the spring planted ones interesting um, and I think it goes back again to that pathogen load uh, one less season during that pathogen infection period mm-hmm. um, and but still I'm not sure most growers would be satisfied with it um, now there you can plant the, uh, the day neutrals in the summer as well and use them as a as a spring crop. So if you plant those in mid-July, you generally don't get any fruit in the fall and you could get a good crop in the spring. And they're generally a little bit earlier than some of the other varieties. Um, But it's, you know, most of the varieties people are not real satisfied eating. Um, So Albion is the variety of choice for most people. Albion and Seascape have seen the most um, use just because, I mean, the complaint I get the most from consumers of supermarket strawberries is that they don't have much flavor mm-hmm. uh, and you know any strawberry a, a, it's been shipped from a long way away but they, they they have to be shipped and so they're bred for a different different goal in mind yeah um, and so we don't have a lot of options in the day neutrals that are, are
0: really people are excited when they eat the fruit um I think I might take this podcast later and delete everything we talk about day neutrals because it's almost like every time we talk about it, it's like, it might almost, but not quite. (laughs) Well, so we've had some very decent
2: work, but for vegetable growers, if you want summer production, that's not your window. I mean, we're looking at spring produced, for day neutral, spring planted, fall production, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So plant them in May, start getting fruit July, August, September. you really got to... And if you're you're not looking for fruit then you stick with the short days. Yeah. Um, so you have fruit in your July or June and early July period.
0: Okay. So So, we got a quick, Oh, go ahead, Annie.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, so a take home message from not about the day neutral part of what you were just saying, but when we were talking about the June bearing is you would really recommend a grower go more towards just one season of harvest with those and then take them out. Um, you know, rotate that with something else that you can plant for the second part of the season. Cause if the June bearing strawberries are done producing mid July, you have a lot of time after that.
0: Right. Right. And And that, and we got a question in the chat about this very thing about Ah. how to get perfect, (laughs) perfect transition, Annie. So if you're only going to grow a strawberry on an annual basis, now, mind you, it is a strange rotation in that it's it goes from summer to spring as as opposed to like spring to summer, spring to fall, like all of our, most of our other vegetables, it's more like garlic, which I had kind of mentioned earlier. So the person in the chat said, how about placing strawberry plugs in the ground after harvesting garlic? So garlic you plant in October, goes through a winter, you harvest it in like July-ish, right? Winter wheat is kind of the same schedule. So then you've got uh, an area that had just come off a vegetable or a field crop in, in the like a wheat type thing. Sounds like that could be a good window to put in strawberries if you've planned ahead to have them ready by then. Then you take those through a second winter, harvest them in June. And in my mind, yeah, like you said, Annie, you've got essentially um, a garlic system, a much, I don't know, depending on how you feel about garlic, a much tastier type of garlic as strawberry <laughs> instead, right? that you've then taken out in june and you've got a whole other later end of the summer. And if you're on plastic and, um, what are they about 12 inches apart? Would you say, Courtney, maybe double row? Double twelves or yeah. what we double twelves do. um, offset, yeah. offset yeah. holes. Yep. You know, I, in my mind, what you could come right back with is something like broccoli uh, or even summer squash, like zucchini would, that would fit. That would fit well going into the fall and similar spacings though. You might want to go every other hole in some cases. I think that'd be a cool thing.
1: Could you, could you really use the same holes? I mean, you gotta be ripping those strawberry plants out. Their root system is pretty big, hopefully at that point. So do you think you would really be able to rip them out of the holes and reuse those holes? They're kind of. nutrient
0: That's a good question. I don't actually know. I I know in Ohio, in Ohio, they rip out the plants and put pumpkins in and in Florida, they take them out and put watermelons in, but maybe, yeah, go ahead, Courtney. What was your thought? I think
2: it's labor intensive, uh, but you have to do something, right? You can't leave the mm-hmm. strawberry plant there. Um, yeah. And so I guess you could spray it, and, but there's not a lot of room then to punch new holes. Yeah. The um, strawberries, when they're mature, you know, the plant, the, the canopy covers the entire plastic bed. You can't see the plastic very well. Um, okay. So even if you spray it and kill it, you still got a lot of you know, leaf material spread across the plastic. So you'd have to remove the plastic or the plant material somehow. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's any auto machines that would grab it, but, uh, it might be, and it's going to leave a big hole.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. When
2: you pull it out. Right. Cause that root system, right. it's a small hole when you put it in, but when you pull that out, it's going to expand the hole in the, where the plant yeah. was. Um, so, I see. um, but I, but I mean, people do it with other things like you, you were saying. So, um, it might be something to be experiment with, or it might be just, you know, pull that plastic and lay another
1: mm-hmm.
0: row
2: over the, where it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking maybe
1: what I else you could do is less.
0: what what I else you might be. Able, I, yeah, we got a delay here. Go ahead, Annie.
1: I think that would almost be less labor intensive, right? Just to pull out the old plastic and the plants, and then put new plastic down. Even though that's a lot of plastic use, like otherwise, I think you would have to go through and hand pull out all of the strawberry plants. And we we're yeah. just talking about wanting to reduce hand labor. That's a lot of hand labor. That's
0: true. One other thing I was just thinking about is if you're planting your strawberries in dual dual rows on the beds. So they're offset, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your drip tape somewhere in the middle there, perhaps you could, perhaps you could put it off to one side. I don't know. You gotta be careful, but maybe you could spray off the strawberries, leave them there to die. They'll almost be like a little bit of a mulch. They'll be blocking the light of their own holes essentially for a certain, for a certain amount of time and then pull a, a water wheel transplanter over top of the plastic down the middle. So punching new holes and then hopefully avoiding uh, old strawberry crowns and and the drip tape at the same time, and then got
1: <laughs> a lot to contend with there. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's yeah, there's a little bit of figuring to do, but I think that's there's good. some opportunity possible. There.
2: You know that center strip too, where you had your drip, it's going to be well fertilized
0: because mm-hmm.
2: that's yeah. where you've been putting fer- you've been fertigating all along, mm-hmm. where you should be anyway, and that goes in that center drip line. Um, I don't know what that planting is going to look like. <laughs> it could be could be pretty messy looking, but uh, that's not always the biggest deal. Um, so there's there's some potential. Uh, the other p- potential, I don't, you know, the as as the biodegradable biodegradable mulches get better and truly become biodegradable, um, maybe that's an answer, right? You just plow mm-hmm. it all under and and till it up, and you pull your drip tape and plow it down and 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 work your, you know, fit your field for a, the next planting. Um, yeah. So there, I think as time moves on there'll be more options and growers are infinitely uh, resourceful. They'll find what works best for them and they'll come up with these ideas and start working on it. Um, and a lot of times that's how we get ideas for new projects is somebody's right. like, well, I want to try this. And so, you know, they're not equipped to do replicated trials but they have a pretty good idea what, what might work. And so um, it'll be interesting that center, you know, obviously you have to get the drip tape out of the way, but you might be able to figure out a way to, to move it to the side
0: or. uh, I mean, you could even put the drip tape deep too, if you wanted to put it in
2: bed. You can bury it in the bed itself. And that's, that is fairly common both, um, or at least not unheard of in beds and in open field production too. We have growers Mm -hmm. that will bury the drip line below the strawberry row. Um, and water from underneath and that's certainly a uh, potential certainly some of the bed machines should be able to do that with no real problem so
0: all right I have one final question it's kind of a two-parter for both of you since since we're down this path of entertaining this potential future of annual production strawberries in a vegetable rotation up north here what crops might you avoid rotating with and about how long would you wait before coming back into strawberries on the same ground?
2: Well, when we do matted row, we would suggest a fallow, or not fallow, a rotation out of strawberries for at least three to five years. Uh, I don't think you need to do that long when it comes, to if you're doing an annual production system, because you won't have the buildup. Okay. Um, the build so, up sometime less than that. I would not follow strawberries on strawberries. Uh, I think that will cause you grief. Um, I We generally recommend people avoid other plants in the same family so I wouldn't follow with raspberries or follow raspberries or apples or peaches or any of those you know but those are generally other fruit crops yeah
0: those are pretty notable non-vegetables there right Courtney.
2: exactly <laughs> but we would generally avoid um the solanaceous family as well oh okay so uh, because, tomatoes peppers eggplants right because of uh, verticillium got you the biggest okay. concern um Strawberries are a host, and generally those crops tend to be sensitive. I think the brassicas are a great option. Uh, Your broccoli, you know, cabbages, cauliflower, that sort of thing. I think um, I wouldn't expect a lot of trouble with your vine crops. Um, I don't know that much about them. Verticillium would be the concern. I don't think Mm -hmm. you worry about the other. The phytophthers are different species, so I don't think it would be an issue
0: and then the, the alliums sound like they'd be pretty, they'd be clear too. And then the, the whole garlic system that we talked about earlier, sounds like it could be really viable. Right. I
1: don't I know think there's in, a lot
2: of insect
1: overlap.
0: Mm,
2: no, maybe, some maybe of the Japanese crops? beetle, but that's about it. Right. Yeah. But they eat everything. So yeah.
1: I know ahead, for Annie. the matted row, yeah, for the matted row system, at least in Minnesota, it's really common rotation to rotate pumpkins and squash with uh, June bearing strawberries. I don't know how well that would work in this system where you're ripping the strawberry plants out in early to late July. Um, That feels too late to plant squash.
0: For some squash I think could do it, but for like a, uh, like a Halloween pumpkin that's not Mm -hmm. enough. Yeah. That's not enough time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, the one we specifically
2: talk about are tomatoes, peppers, eggplant, specifically because of verticillium wilt. Um, um, So, and, and I don't, I don't really have a lot of inf- information about garlic onions. I that's new to that's me. That's okay. So I don't yeah. think verticillium is a huge problem. It's not something I hear about in those crops. Um, so I think they would be. A, a, that could be a really interesting rotation. Um, I love try it. finish somewhere. your strawberries in late June, and if you're planting in July for garlic, um, well, no, that's no. It would be the- finish your garlic and plant your strawberries in July, yeah. and then right, yeah. and then I you'll bite. be done in June, and 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 you can on to your next
0: thing it'd be like no wasted time the field would right. always be producing something essentially right. and no no waiting no cover yeah it's an interesting rotation right
1: this sounds like i you know this sounds like a really interesting project i'm curious to see if you could do that rotation in minnesota with our season links
2: yeah um of you know tunnels,
1: we are like in mid july so is that enough time
0: <laughs> right i don't yeah i don't no. know I, I don't know, you know it depends on the crown plug production idea, I think, that Courtney had mentioned.
1: Yes, and, and then maybe a low tunnel, too. I would want to try it open field and low tunnel to see uh, what the difference is.
2: And we may see nurseries become more um, flexible in their offerings if if there are growers who are interested. And, and uh, growers can contact the nurseries directly ahead of time, you know, mm-hmm. now for next year. Yeah. You you, don't contact them now wanting plants next month that isn't going to happen but um if you plan ahead and talk to some of the nurseries they might work with you um and, and they maybe you can get something scheduled a little sooner mm-hmm. um i mean ideally yeah you want to buy them from the nursery right who wants to produce their own plants that's that's yeah. tedious and most people don't want to deal with it but um until that's more available um you you know you have to do what you have to do
1: So something that we didn't touch on, I don't think, is nutrient recommendations and fertigation schedule for this system. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I shared a link from Penn State that is kind of basic. It compares the different strawberry growing systems, but it also gives uh, fertigation, specifically nitrogen recommendations for the plastic culture June bearing system that we're talking about. So I would Mm -hmm. check that out.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Generally recommendations for matted row are, you know, big chunks. One in the spring, one half the fertilizer, and another half in July, um, uh, something like that. And so generally with the with the fertigation in these matted or in these plastic culture systems, you split it out across a weekly application, right? Across the whole season. And so, you know, it's a little bit at a time so that they can take it up rather than you know. Because often in the matted row, we can use some granular fertilizers that will take time, you know, more slow release stuff. And that's not what you use, certainly in plastic culture. Mm -hmm. A lot of vegetable
0: growers are pretty familiar with that system. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: Right. And they would already have the systems for doing that Mm -hmm. kind of weekly fertigation system. So it would fit right in with what they're doing already.
0: Um, Sounds like a really interesting idea. And I, I hope to see more of it. And I hope that we can help facilitate more discussions among growers about how to, how to work forward on this intelligently and maybe make something really viable and really neat up here in the North. But um, that's about all the time we have for today. And I really want to thank you both, Annie and Courtney, for joining me once again. Certainly, and, it's my pleasure.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us. This was great. Good idea. Yeah,
0: so I'm going to do a little outro here. This show is put on by the Great Lakes Vegetable Producers Network. It's a group of extension educators and researchers from across the Great Lakes region. And we're sponsored by the North Central IPM Center, Integrated Pest Management Center. We broadcast live on Zoom, 1230 Eastern Time, 1130 Central Time, every Wednesday. And we're going all the way to the first week of September this year. We interview farmers, researchers, and others about topics that are relevant to vegetable growers. And I hope you can join us next week, where Dennis Van Dyke from Ontario is going to interview Christy Hopting also from Cornell, uh, about stemphylium in onions, which is a serious disease of onions. It's kind of like the early blight of tomatoes, but for onions, right? So it's, it's a ever-present problem in, in onion-producing regions. It should be a good interview if you like your onions. Um, so, yeah, once again, thanks for joining me today. And uh, think about joining us next week, same time, same place, glveg.net slash listen. Okay, Annie, Courtney, you have a good rest of the week and and, uh, I hope to see you again soon.
1: Thank you, you as well. Thank you. Bye.